Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Today I have guest Raylene Lightheart, co-host of Blast Off with Johnny Rocket and my good friend, anthropology student and feminist, Danielle Walker. Our conversation takes us to feminism, self-ownership, consent, and body autonomy. But first, a moment for my pre-roll announcement. Hey, James, what you got there? Oh, just CBD gummy bears. Gummy bears with CBD, you mean? How do they smell? Just like candy, but with just CBD. Here, let me smell them. Oh, they do smell like candy. Yeah, it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners. Check it out. JustCBDStore.com and check out all of their amazing products. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. Just make sure to use my 20% off discount code, PIF. Welcome to Pace and Freedom. I got Raylene here with me today and a good friend who has been on the podcast before, Danielle, who used to go by Sarah but decided to change your name. So uh, I'll let you guys introduce (laughs) yourself. Uh, I'll start with Danielle. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm I'm Danielle. Um, I'm really happy to be here. I love your podcast. I've been on here before. I think I was on with the very second episode, right? Right. Right. That was a lot of fun. So I'm I'm glad to be back. And this is a really fun topic. So I'm excited. And Rayleigh? I'm Raylene Lightheart. Um, you guys might know me from uh, Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I'm his co-host. Um, I'm a homeschooling mom of three right now, five kids total, happily married, and uh, an anarchist. And I love talking about cultural stuff. Awesome. So we'll have fun today. Absolutely. So our conversation today is about feminism. We got the idea actually from Danielle, who's like, hey, we really need to talk about this. Uh, there's a huge misconception that is driven by the mainstream media. Uh, usually when we talk about feminists, it's uh, these raging, angry, sometimes topless at activists <laughs> uh, rallies. And it makes them a look a little insane, but so does the libertarian party sometimes make libertarians look a little bit insane so i can kind of relate in that aspect so i think some of the conversations i've had with people like with danielle and other people about feminism uh again it's this crazy uh like women are better than men and that men don't need to be on earth for us to for society to succeed right And uh, that's usually what I've kind of understood from people that don't really understand feminism, perhaps, and just gets their news from the mainstream media. So, Daniel, you brought up a really uh, interesting point when we were talking. And to you, what is the definition of feminism? I'm not sure that there's just one definition of feminism, but the way I see feminism is... um, It's a movement that's meant to make life better for men and women by um, shortening the distance between them, kind of. You know, we we have these ideas of what men are supposed to be like and what women are supposed to be like. And I think if we kind of shorten the distance between those two points, um, 
we allow for both of us to come up, all of us to come up, um, in a way that makes women feel more heard and respected as well as men, because men have been negatively affected by sexism as well. And I think for me, feminism is, is really just respecting everyone equally mm-hmm. and not necessarily putting one above the other or, you know, trying to bring men down or anything like that. I'm trying to bring all of us up. That's what it means to me. So rational. Right. I know, right? <laughs> you brought up that feminism is something for men and women. So we normally see this. For men, usually we're portrayed as these angry, uh, strong, um, insistent type of creatures, I guess, in comparison to females who we usually try to portray as more sensitive, maybe for some weaker uh, mm-hmm. creatures. Raylene, when you think about feminism, what is what are your thoughts? Well, I, I have my own um, ideas and, and belief, and then I think that there is the cultural uh, belief and understanding. And so the word can kind of get muddied between the two worlds, right? So I, I obviously, for me, feminism just means uh, being a proponent of females or maybe a supporter of or a believer in. And um, originally, feminism was about claiming the humanity of women that we women are people too, right? I mean, when you look at how the forefathers of our country, um, we all look to those ideals uh, before, before people become libertarians, usually um, it's even more about the constitution and, and the, and that revolutionary war. But we, we talk about um, being free, but women were not, Free. They weren't allowed to own property. It would become their husbands, and and we weren't allowed to vote, which so we weren't being represented through government. So that makes sense to me. I think that it's just <clears throat> equalizing the rights of women. And then second wave feminism was more about cultural cultural norms and changing. I and I think there's a element of thoughtfulness in it and great discussions to be had. And then third wave feminism would be an extension of that. But I feel like it is complete radicalism and uh, it starts to fold in on itself because it isn't doesn't have the root of self-ownership at the base. Right. So when we're talking about these waves, you mentioned there was a first wave, second wave and third wave. Do you think that there's still some existence of the first two then? Uh, And it's just that the third wave is more, I guess, loud and, and promoted by the media. Right exploited or, or, or exploiting. Um, yeah, third wave people right now with the way media is and the way social media is and just the power that media has. I think that they promote and expand upon the most extreme. Um, and so everybody shares a story about one blogger that says something or that one lady that says, let's eat babies, even if that's a troll, which it seemed like it would be. But, um, let's just say that lady was real. Right. Okay. That doesn't mean that all people who believe in climate change or want to save the environment or or, or take care of this world that we have is that person. Um, That's one insane human being that gets a lot of exposure and then invalidates an entire movement and a lot of uh, normal people that don't want to aggress upon others. So I think that's the same thing about feminism. 
ultimately. But I do think that believing um, an ideology in in a completion is and making decisions based on it, we have to be careful with that because uh, I think that radicals will sweep away uh, good ideas and turn it into something that's not. Look what happened with Antifa and, and things like that, right? Right. You know, or like the um, yellow jackets in France, and right, right. So, uh, do I think that women don't have the same rights as men? No, I don't. I think, from a libertarian or or even anarchist point of view, on the the logistical side or the the specifics of actualities, no, women have the same rights as men. Um, and so that's no longer the fight. It is cultural. And I do think there's some things that we can break down the ideas of cultural understanding and we can decide to partake in something that might be a little counterculture too. And it, 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 it at some point being traditional will be counterculture. Right. right. So um, let's explore the ideas and then make our decisions based on what is right for us without culture influencing us specifically, but because we want to do it. Right. Exactly. Danielle. So, do you think that you find yourself in like that first and second wave of type of feminists? I, I'm not really sure how to answer that question because I consider the the waves of feminism to be different time periods. Um, I I could be wrong on that one, but I, I think the third wave of feminism is is considered to be radical and unnecessary. And I would say it's not. And I think um, we touched on a minute ago um, how the media kind of pushes some of these ideas that are initially very useful um, and into radical territory that is not useful. So some of the, the things that um, the more radical people that are pushed up uh, and given voice to, some of those things are just completely unhelpful to you know with the the heart of the feminist movement i'd say i i definitely identify as a feminist in you know the 21st century and it's it can be kind of difficult at times to justify that with the radical rhetoric that's out about feminism it's not it's not helpful to the feminist movement. It's really not. It's helpful to anyone. And I think it's, I I don't like that even being attached to the word feminism because it's Mm -hmm. really not, I don't, I don't, I call it radical feminism, but there should really just be a completely different word for it. Like anti-man or something, because that's not, that's not the heart of feminism and that's not what it's supposed to be. So have you found other people like, yourself then that are not radical in this day and age because for me again i'm just going based off of the media that i see on social media and news i have never really met feminists other than yourself that can describe yourself as not radical and actually not be radical and actually be concerned about the actual issues Mm -hmm. yeah i think um yeah I, i definitely know Several. I know several. And most of them are people that I met um, in college and stuff um, whenever I was initially in college in Missouri. Um, So I've known quite a few. Yeah. And I think the problem is sometimes um, they kind of they aren't good at expressing 
that the things that they want are actually good for men too, they kind of get defensive because of our social media culture. All of our conversations are happening on social media now, which further radicalizes everything because Mm -hmm. people aren't really listening to each other. Um, they're, they're kind of picking things apart and arguing. They're just kind of assuming that whatever you say is an attack on them, mm-hmm. which it, it just ends up in the message getting muddied. So they may not actually be radical, but it comes off as radical online. And again, it doesn't help the conversation because the majority of the time, the things that they want really are reasonable. The, the, the friends that I have, they are reasonable. They just don't necessarily do a good job at expressing that because they're angry. And angry people don't do a good job of explaining themselves. They really don't. Right. There's, I think that there is something to be said for what people are angry about. And I, I think that everyone would be so much better if they were understanding self-ownership. Um, like we can have conversations because we have shared values that are just not going to go sideways. I mean, we may disagree on, let's say a cronyist idea of something, but somebody thinks it's a good idea to have it, even though it's cronyist, right? Like we can have like this little micro disagreement, but we have shared values and we respect each other and we're not looking to vilify the other person because we know at the root of it that we don't believe in hurting people or taking their stuff. And I think that that's the problem with People are upset. They feel injustice. And I think it's because they don't actually understand self-ownership all the way into their own core. Um, And when people recognize that they have free association, that they have the power to say no, that they have the power to ask for raises, that they have the power to choose where they work, that they have the power to decide if they want children, if they want to raise those children, how they want to raise those children without worrying about what people think or feel about it from the outside. Um, I think that the truest feminism is teaching our daughters that they own themselves, how to be accountable, how to make decisions that empower themselves instead of putting them at the mercy of everybody else's opinion. I think that's a really dark downside of, of being a woman in today. I think we lost Danielle. Oh, yep. I'll continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I was going to say also, the whole radical movement, is it almost like a troll? Because you mentioned about like, you know, the lady that was shouting, you know, we need to eat the babies. Do you think the radical movement is a troll movement that was pushed by some sort of like controlled opposition? Exactly. Or or an exploited group of insane people? Something like that? Right. Well, that is moved mm-hmm. by an agenda by some by a a group maybe government i, I or... happen to actually so um here i'll just say all the unpopular things that people can hate me for yeah i think it's on purpose i think that when people talk about uh, you always hear conservatives talking about the breakdown of the american family and all this other stuff and um and i think that i, I really want to hear danielle's take because of the anthropological influence right um there's a huge amount of that and uh there's a lot of space where I, she could totally tell me I'm wrong and I'd be like, cool. Okay. Interesting. But, um, I do think that we are meant to be distracted. And I definitely think that, I mean, let's just look at the logistics. The moment every, every woman was encouraged to do it all and raise their kids and go to work and do all these things. I mean, is when now the result of that is, 
everybody has to work now. Um, right. Make no mistake that that was meant to happen. That was meant to get every single person on the books, every single person working. Um, it was meant the value of a dollar is um, a, a real. I mean, the economy is actually driving most of what we're doing. Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I mean, I remember, you know, so I grew up in a different country, which was a little bit not behind as far as knowledge or technology or anything, but just in cultural uh, in the cultural aspect of, you know, the woman was at home with the kids, taking care of dinner and taking mm -hmm. care of certain things. And again, back to the uh, the social aspect of it was that, you know, these kind of things had to happen because I remember my mom, she, you know, in the States, we would go grocery shopping maybe once a week or maybe even one twice a month, right? You go to mm -hmm. the grocery shop and you get all these frozen foods, frozen goods, and, you know, all these things that are just made available to you to just have for long periods of time. My mom, she would have to go to the market when we lived in Spain um, every single day because you had mm -hmm. to go get fresh produce, right? So you need to have somebody in the family that would have to be in charge of this to go and get mm -hmm. the fresh produce every day, come home, cook. Basic economics. Right. You know, it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, specialization. Yep. Exactly. And it was just the need for that. Uh, now moving forward, there's not that need anymore uh, because we made it easier at the home where, you know, well, you can have a phone or a tablet babysit your kid and the TV uh, while you do work. Uh, you can just preheat or heat up something in the crock pot and um, it's ready by dinner. So now there's like this void where, well, the mother doesn't really have a place in the home, really, a necessary place in the home and can go to work. Especially with kids in government schools. So this is another uh, well, spoke on the wheel of, yeah, I do believe we're being orchestrated and in, in, uh, railroaded into <clears throat> certain things. And uh, again, um, I'm, I'm not anti-woman at all. I love women. I love men also. And um, I just don't like the label feminist. Like, like Danielle was saying, she doesn't want to be linked to those people. Right. And that's why even saying the word feminist, you get more of a reaction from people who have to explain what you really think. I just want to abandon it. Um, but whenever I get into a conversation, I agree and I say the same thing she does. <clears throat> but yeah, when, when you look at kids being told that they have to go to school and that making parents believe that it was better for them than what they could provide. And when right. you look at that, I mean, when you look at this whole thing with public school, um, how many parents? Oh, yay. Yay. Okay, back. We got you back. <laughs> hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I wanted to take a moment to talk about coffee. That's right. Coffee. And not just any coffee. Anarcho coffee. The only coffee where you feel free and energized with every sip. Visit anarchocoffee.com forward slash PIF or use the link in the description to purchase a great cup of freedom tasting coffee. And by using my link, you will be helping support my podcast. Again, Anarcho Coffee. It's organically farmed, ethically sourced, and roast to order. This means it's coffee not from a child slave labor farm covered in pesticides or stored in some dirty warehouse for six months before you get it. The day you order is the day it gets roasted, packed, and shipped. Now back to this episode. 
So <laughs> when you're looking at all these parents that think that they are not equipped to teach their kids at home, um, I just always say to those parents that say that to me, I said, well, so you were a product of that exact same school system. And if you don't feel like you're equipped to teach your kids what you learned, then maybe there's something wrong with what we're doing. Right. Um, and so I think that mothers at home would have purpose and uh, a muse and something that really mattered if they were teaching their kids because staying home with your kids and giving them, well, I mean, especially with the internet, you guys, I mean, you can, my daughter's four and she loves to draw and she's wicked good. Um, and my, my girlfriend, Erica said, Oh, you know what? She goes, I don't know how to draw a wolf. And, and cause my daughter, uh, my daughter wanted to draw a wolf. She goes, actually, I don't know how to draw a wolf. She goes, let's go Google it. And she comes up with a video about how to draw a wolf. And my daughter is so young. So they're little sponges. She's just watching it and drawing it right with it. And she's just drawing every single thing that she can find on YouTube that's teaching her how to draw. Right. Um, uh, tell me that's not inspiring. If, if people could afford to stay home and they could afford to hang out with their kids, um, they should have that option. Right. Well, you know. So Daniel, you, what you missed was we were talking about a little bit, and this is where you're kind of, you know, from your studies, uh, and anthropology can come in is we were talking about kind of historically, you know, in the past. And for me, I got to experience it because I lived in a, in a different country for a very long time where, you know, things were a little bit, uh, slightly behind as far as time wise. Uh, my mother had to go to the, the, the market every single day to pick up fresh food because they didn't have the convenience of, you know, here in the States where you can just buy frozen stuff and bring it home and keep it in the freezer for a very long time and just reheat or whatever. So my mom had like this very important role in the home to kind of have to go to the market every day, have to cook the food every day, have to, uh, you know, watch the kids every day. Uh, and we've moved into this techno technological advance where there's this void now because a lot of things are getting taken care of. And now the woman has this void where they have the opportunity to now go out and do more things, or is it orchestrated for them to do it? So that way, because of an economical aspect, um, did I get all of that right? I think I covered it all. In yeah. Five seconds. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we were at. So thoughts. Um, well, I, I guess it, I'm not exactly sure if there's a question in there somewhere, but um, I think it's a kind of a misconception that feminism means uh, women should be working outside the home. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people and a lot of cultures, it's a privilege to not have to work outside of the home that's seen as something that women have that men don't have. And um, it's seen as a, a really good thing by a lot of cultures and a lot of people. And so I don't want to, um, I would never want to say that, oh, well, you're not, you know, supporting the feminist, um, whatever agenda or whatever it is, <laughs> just because you want to stay home with your kids. And, uh, but I also don't think that you should be forced to stay home mm -hmm. and not have a job. And that's kind of part um that's kind of my thing about feminism is it's about having the choice um, to do what you want with your own life. And if 
that's empowering to you, staying home with your children and not having to work, that's amazing. Um, men should also have that option too. And I think that's, that's kind of my part in feminism is that men shouldn't feel that they always have to be a provider. I think that that's a big source of, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? (laughs) I can't ever remember my words. Um, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pressure. It's it's something that men feel insecure about. So I was looking for insecurity. Mm -hmm. Um, that they feel that they're not worthy of uh, a, a good relationship or a family or something like that if they're not the main provider. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an unnecessary pressure on men. I think that it should be just as acceptable for a woman to be out working and a man to be at home with the kids and not necessarily praised more or you know, seen as less manly by anybody. I think mm-hmm. that that should be an option for everyone, for anyone who wants to stay home or wants to work. I mean, in this economic climate, it's not necessarily very feasible for most people, um, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, it's also kind of funny that we see that as um, like an advantage in our society is like, Oh, I can be a working woman. And some people are like, oh, I don't want to have to work. Like, that sounds terrible. You <laughs> it's know? the force. And the, yeah. the, the, when we were talking about the orchestration of the, the economy is being influenced and we are unfortunately being railroaded like cattle yeah. and it's taking away the choice. Now we don't even have the choice to stay home. Nobody does. Right. I mean, it's very rare that people get to stay home. It is. And especially if you don't, join the military or right. And so that is really tough. And so, and I agree that it's all about choice and consent and understanding what our values are, what we are, what we're, what are we trying to achieve? And self-ownership is where it's at. And feminism has its place in that, but, but really, isn't it just uh, being a good human being with thoughtful nature and, and letting people make their own decisions and shed the cultural norms and, and choose whatever they want to, as long as it's for the best reasons. Isn't that what yeah. it's all about? Right. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. I, I ha- think such a big thing about feminism now is changing the culture. Like you were saying earlier, it's so important that it's, it's more about societal pressures now on both men and women and people who don't identify as either. There's, there's this pressure from society and it's not necessarily um, as much uh, a, a matter of rights or legality and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which there there are still definitely places that we can go with that. But yeah, um, I think the majority of the issues that we're trying to work through now um, with feminism have to do with just societal pressures, making things really hard mm-hmm. for both women and men and non-binary people to live mm-hmm. their lives however they want. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that is ego um uh, like in the Eckhart Tolle version of ego um it is anything that's separating us creating judgment resentment trying to make things uh pointed scapegoating so because you think it's unfair because you're not happy with the choices that you have or even the pressures that you feel that you have to adhere to these other subjective rules that aren't yours that you didn't choose that you just believe or exist because of what we were taught right and there's so many of them it's it's Mm -hmm. hard to even wrap your head around it, which is why I think so many people have a hard time grasping the need for feminism because it's so deeply ingrained, these expectations that 
it's not a law necessarily that you know mm-hmm. a man can't cry in the movies or something like that. Right. No, there's a law about that. <laughs> but there is this, you know, pressure that you know if if a man is depressed or something like that, going through something difficult, he's not allowed to talk about it. Or women gain weight in the relationship. Men can gain weight and it's okay. Or they can go bald and it's okay. But if women let themselves go, then they're a bad wife. There's so much. Yeah. Right. And and it's it's hard to kind of grasp for some people because this is just the world we live in. Like fish and water. You know, fish don't recognize the water like around them. It's just, it's always been there. It is what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. There, um, you guys, let me read a quote. Do you guys know who Terrence McKenna is? Um, it works with psychedelics. Uh, oh, now that you mentioned that, yeah, okay. It, Robert Anton Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's culture is not your friend. Uh, he says, hold on, I just pulled it up. Culture is not your friend. Culture is for other people's convenience and the convenience of various institutions, churches, companies, tax collection schemes, and what have you. It is not your friend. It insults you. It disempowers you. It uses and abuses you. None of us are well treated by culture. Um, just throwing that out there. I really love the way he looks at it. I mean, there are awesome cultural things that are actually about survival of our species and <laughs> yeah. about, uh, getting, you know, uh, the, the, the validation that we need or, or all the yeah. filling up our pain bodies and healing our hearts and things. There's a lot of things that we do culturally that are for those reasons, but we just don't realize it. It's an unawareness that we have. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that's, that quote is maybe a little bit harsh, <laughs> Just because as as humans, we're so intertwined with culture, we wouldn't even exist without it. You know what I mean? So that that one, I definitely I definitely see where where it's coming from. But yeah, it's it's one of those. It's like kind of it's a good thing. and It's a bad thing at the same time. So you have all these expectations and stuff. But without culture, what would we even be? You know, I I, well, I think that um, all of the ways that things can go wrong are social. Um, aside from like environmental or whatnot, but, um, we have an opportunity in every interaction with another human being to either be more connected, empathetic, empathic, understanding, um, and negotiation, uh, all of those wonderful free market things that we do, um, on human action on, uh, most basic in, in inside levels too, um, with our heart, um, where culture is bad is the collective ego or the collective unconscious. It's the unawareness of why we're doing every little tiny thing we're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. When you don't understand why, and you're just following rules arbitrarily because other people have put them on you, that is not your friend. That's a cult. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're trying to say really, and like what I've heard from Danielle as well is, you know, you mentioned about feminism um, being a a culture change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every time you interact with somebody else, uh, somebody new or, you know, you create that relationship with somebody that's a mini culture in itself. You're mm-hmm. creating a new culture right there. Um, so and I guess in, in Raylene's, uh, you know, point is, you know, the the culture of like that cult mentality of just, you know, you cannot create any other new cultures is where I feel also that, you know, can be a a bad thing. Uh, and the way I see feminism is now, you know, uh, after doing a lot more research and after you and I talking about it, uh, you know, for me, that was a culture change right there for me. That's a brand new culture now that you and I just created. And 
we didn't follow any rules to say, hey, you know, this is how it has to be. Like, we can't change our minds. We can't change our ideas. And that's the beauty of, like, I guess, that self-ownership, that self- Community. You're community. Forged, you're, right. you're, what you guys are doing are forging community by getting together, meeting the mind, sharing ideas, exactly. expanding your understanding and perspective. That's fucking awesome. Excuse my language. Like, like the <laughs> fact that to. you guys had that conversation- <laughs> And you're seeing th- fleshing out different ways of looking at it. And ha- right. that is the connection. Like to me, that's godly. And I think anything, um, the ego itself, the way that uh, that I'm referencing it is what people would in the religious world would call sin. It's the separation from each other. It is the disconnect. Right. So right. if if you are feeling pressure to do these things to be good enough for other people's opinions, that's separation. That's sin. That's bad. Right. right. Yeah. So feminism itself is, I think the the best part of feminism is the questioning of the culture, asking sure. why do women not have pockets in their pants when to say that it's to put women down and to marginalize women. I'm going to say no, that it goes too far. That's too third wave for me. But what does marginalize women is the fashion industry and it exploits their insecurities. It exploits the culture that is already there that women have to sure. look a certain way, be a certain way to be loved. And that's really deep stuff. So that's something that I get a lot out of with the talking about feminism. And like there are really great pearls of wisdom and they're wrapped in a lack of understanding of the evil of the state, what cults are themselves and self-ownership. And, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking on the kind of the male um, side of it. I mean, you know, we've been talking about fem- feminism and how it affects women. And, you know, for me, that's something that affects men as well. You know, for me, and I think you mentioned it, Daniel, why shouldn't I be able to cry at the movie theaters? I know I cried during Lion King like so many freaking times. It's ridiculous, right? But, you know, and normally, so you usually get two reactions from that, right? You get the, oh, you know, which is okay uh but it's almost like you know when you get it from certain people you almost like oh well it's like a fake awe that like oh he's just doing it to try to gain like brownie points from his women you know to make him feel you know but it can be really but it can be genuine right uh you know we were talking guys that would use that to get women are going to slowly reveal themselves easily. I mean, to anyone with half a brain. So, oh, yeah. like, to be honest, like, right. if a guy does that all the time, trying to prove something, or right. then I'd be like, oh, what a skis. So right. I'd be actually put off by that if it isn't authentic. Right. Wow. You know, for me, I've always been, you know, throughout the years, and I've always proven people wrong, but just my way of being, I, I've been told that I'm flamboyant that I'm a in closet homosexual that because of just my way of being right uh I'm married to a beautiful beautiful woman I have two kids you know and I'm obviously not homosexual and I don't have to defend myself on that or anything but there's this view that I cannot be a little bit more sensitive because I'm a male right and it gets dangerous just a couple of weeks ago I was uh, there was an attempted mugging on me. I was assaulted. Uh, and, you know, I'm assuming that the guy just saw me. He's like, oh, look at this fag. I, he's an easy target. I'm going to attack him. 
to surprise, surprise, I know how to defend myself uh, and was able to fight him off. But I get it all the time, even back in high school, uh, you know, when I moved high schools, I don't know how many times. And every time I had to prove, I felt like I had to prove myself. I had to prove my masculinity. And thinking about it now, it's like, I don't have to prove shit. Thank am, God you, you right? get it. Thank God you liberated yourself from I that. I know. Uh, and yeah. it's just, I see it from both sides. And then you get, again, that word feminism. And I always go back to labels can be so dangerous, right? Um, especially when they're portrayed a certain way and we just take that that definition from mainstream media as gospel it can be a dangerous thing that's why i don't well, like collectivism using, right and ultimately i think a feminism as another way of just educating people that you don't have to be within these social norms that you can be yourself and be okay with that and accept yourself first and i mean there's a need um there's a need to always prove your masculinity with with women and with men in in lots of cases femininity in itself is considered bad in certain contexts so you know when a man says oh you're such a dude you're such a bro to a female that's a compliment. It's mm -hmm. meant as a compliment. And many women feel this need to be the bro, to say, oh, I don't hang out with women. Oh, I only The cool girl is what it's yeah, called. The cool girl. Yeah. There's this, uh, this pressure to be the cool girl because. I used to you know, do that. Okay, now I actually am the cool girl. Thank God. I <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, yeah. Definitely that's are. I know what it is, girl, because I was there. And now it's kind of like. I, I'm moving more towards kind of rejecting that idea that, you know, oh, well, I shouldn't like other women. Why are we always pitted against each other? A, a funny Ego. example of that is um, a, a, this happened to me like twice in one week. I uh, told two different people in one week. I mentioned Beyonce. And you know what the first thing people say whenever you say something about Beyonce is? Illuminati? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's always, I like Rihanna better. Well, what's Rihanna have to do with Beyonce? Why are we pitting two women together just because they're black women? Why, why do we always do that? Whenever you say you like one woman, somebody else will say, oh, well, I like this other woman better. Why is it one or the other? Why are they connected? We don't do that to men. You know, well, if I say it does like, happen too with men. I'm sure it does. Yeah. But that, that's just like one example of like something that's very common. I, I see, I've seen so many guys say, Oh, well, women, they can be so terrible. They're so catty, blah, blah. And I want to, I want to be able to say, yeah, I understand. But in my experience, I, I have such deep, wonderful friendships with my female friends and I have some great friendships with my guys too, but I just, I just don't see where that's coming from and why that's a, a stereotype that's so heavily relied on and perpetuated that uh, women are are just mean and women are catty and, and they never get along. And, you know, because that's not my well, experience. There are words that people use to marginalize collectives, right? Uh, people use specific words to negate them, 
to and to marginalize them. Um, and it happens to people of color. It happens to it's, it, to men, and it happens to women. It happens to, and old people and young people. I mean, we we do it to any collective. Um, there are words that people will use and choose to use that will put them down. And and any woman knows that the fastest way for a man or another woman, which is the worst, actually, that's even worse in my opinion, will use to <clears throat> invalidate women, which is their uh, stupid, crazy, or a bitch. That, uh, yeah. that is it. And it's usually crazy bitch. Um, yeah. Oh, I've heard that one so many times. It's like, <laughs> was she really crazy or were you crazy? I, well, and it, not only that, but two crazy people being crazy together is crazy. So right. it, it probably is. was both of them. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like just toxic friendships, relationships in general. It doesn't mean that there's one person that's over here being crazy and you're just like, I'm just trying to love you. You know, it's not necessarily how that works. Right. And don't people, when people act crazy, so let's just get real right now about human beings. When they're being crazy, there's an effing reason for it. So if everybody could just take a moment, uh, smoke a bowl or just chill mm-hmm. for a little, meditate. I, I don't care what you do. Pray on it. I mean, just, just get straight for a minute. Be cool. Separate yourself from this moment and just kind of go, why are these people being crazy? Right. And it's usually because they have feelings of being unworthy in some way and they oh, need sure. someone to validate that. And if somebody's not treating them in a way that makes them feel like they're being loved, then they flip out. And then and nobody wants to talk about why we act crazy. Anybody. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I, we got I really deep there. Theories about that. And I, I think that so much of it is media's portrayal of men and women uh, entertainment wise, I think we're given permission Groomed. to overreact to things. Yep. Um, and, and, oh, as, cause it's court of public opinion. Then yeah. you'd be right on yeah. a sitcom. You'd be right. If this person did this, then you should be mad about it instead of yes, just looking at it logically exactly. and having to talk. You know, they create all this, uh, this drama and it's, uh, it's unrealistic. And I think that media does have a responsibility whenever mm-hmm. it comes to, portraying you know situations in a realistic way that doesn't create this need to overreact and and do these kind of crazy type um behaviors because when you're young uh, especially the young girls and teenagers and stuff like that kind of what you know about the world a lot of it comes from the media because you haven't really experienced that much and these unrealistic situations where women just blow up for you know seemingly small things or people don't communicate and stuff um it's it's so unhealthy and it really creates that men too people this permission and yes men women mimic we're mimics uh by nature now this is a biological thing i'm not saying all women i'm not saying no men i I, I just i think all people in general when they're young do but yes that um, social behaviors are mimicry yeah and men uh, are portrayed differently in less um, fewer outbursts and stuff like that in media and stuff. They're supposed to be more reserved. Um, they're, you know, usually uh, just like, what's how, going on? Yeah, you know? my like, husband and my son, and I have two sons and one husband in this house. That's just mine. I'm not even talking about the other people that live here. And <laughs> those men internalize. Yeah. Um, they have their outbursts, but, but it's usually not even – uh, completely connected exactly to what they're actually upset about on the inside. Sure, um, because and, they probably weren't allowed to talk about that thing that they actually. Well, I mean, my little, my little you know. seven and my older one is eighteen or nineteen now, and 
they are allowed to. It's just their nature and they're introverted. And a lot of men are introverted. It, it's, it's again, it's a collective, so you can just dismiss it as you want to. But yeah, yeah. I want to. So I want to. It's something that's just so it's ingrained into boys so early that yeah. it's more normal for a boy to only express anger. Yeah, it's, it's ignored when they are internalizing. So even yeah. if they are introverted boys, we need to get in there and help them talk about their feelings. Because even because introverted girls are allowed to talk about their feelings in our culture, they're, so I mean, they're we coax it out of them. What's wrong, honey? Tell me what's wrong. Whereas right. boys, it's kind of just like, oh well, he's, he's you know, he's just upset. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, you know, yeah. he's like holding it in. That's good. Good for you. You know. And so it's it happens so young, and it's so we don't even think about it happening that like even little children are influenced by it. Yeah, you know, I had a situation with, uh, so I have two kids, my son and my daughter, you know, and I was always, I like to just see them kind of obviously have guidance from their parents, but I like to see them just grow into themselves, right? And allow them to just grow into themselves. I was always very fearful of people trying to ingrain things into them, you know, and I remember when my son was, uh, geez, he was two and a half years old my daughter was um one and it was a christmas and they were opening presents and my son being my son he's just everything is his basically and that's normal for a two and a half year old you know everything Mm -hmm. is his he's opening presents this is my present this is my present this is my present right Mm -hmm. regardless if it was his or not uh so he was opening his sister's presents and he's like this is mine this is mine this is mine right so my um, ex-wife was like, maybe we should buy them. Maybe we should buy him some dresses because he seems like I was like, uh, for what? You know, he in my mind, I was just like, for what? Why would we buy him dresses? Like it makes no sense. He has clothes. Well, you know, uh, well, he's like trying to take all his sister's dresses. He's doing that with every toy. Like he's taking her dolls. He's taking her like he's just a he's just a kid that's just trying to take all these presents well i want him to start wearing some dresses and i was like why are you going to force that onto him like you know want, it makes wanted him to yes she wanted him to so that way he can uh i guess explore that area and i see it like and i guess where i'm getting to with that is i've seen also back to that radical movement where they're doing the same thing as what the other side is doing, right? Forcing males to be males. There are some radicals that are trying to force males to be more females, thinking that that's going to help them and that feminism, uh, I guess, culture change. And I don't think it works. I think where it gets creepy, I'm going to let you talk. I'm sorry, Daniel. I just want to say this. I think where it gets creepy is when people are doing it to get accolades from other people instead of giving their kids options. And I think that is who you're talking about is those moms that want to give their kids drugs to show how open-minded she is, that she's helping her five-year-old transition with chemicals in their body. That's a little different. Anyway, go ahead. That's, yeah, of course, there is a level to that. It's almost Munchausen by Mm -hmm. proxy-esque. I don't think that that's most people, obviously, but um, there are some very weird cases where you've got, you know, a four-year-old boy who wanted to try on dresses and their parents just took it 
over the top. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand the different concepts of gender at that point. So it doesn't make sense. But, but at the same time, nobody gets upset about giving a little girl pants or overalls or something like that. That's true. That is true. When, and saying, oh, we're trying to make her into a boy. We're trying to get, you know, no, it's just, it's, this is kind of one of those other things that I was talking to you about um, before is how we assign certain things as feminine and other things as masculine when it's really very arbitrary. I mean, Pink like, and blue. Yeah. yeah, like veganism is like, oh, you're not a man if you're a vegan. Well, that's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How's food not manly? And the same thing with, you know, clothes at this point, there's, there's really no reason that a boy shouldn't be able to wear a dress. I mean, like, really think about it. You know, it's like, well, yeah, we don't want our boys to be feminine because that's bad. But if our girls dress masculine or do masculine uh, things, like the little girl in motocross or something like that, like, that's so empowering and that's so badass. But if a little boy wants to play with dolls or something, we kind of cringe about it, you know, and what what's that about, you know? Exactly. No, and I agree. And I think I've been kind of in that situation where I probably have cringed a few times when, you know, uh, my son might have liked something that was more a little bit more feminine. That's because you have had trauma. Exactly. And that's what I was going to go yeah, with. It's yeah, that cultural indoctrination. It's like. How do you separate yourself from a culture that has told you all this that you can't? You're just trying right. to protect him. Before, we're right. intertwined. We can't pull ourselves away from culture as much as we try. We can try to step away from it and view it from a different perspective and analyze our own um, our own biases and our own cultural teachings and stuff. We can do that as much as we want, but we can't ever fully remove ourselves. There's still always going to be you know, little pieces of that left behind. I think it's so possible too. I mean, and you're always going to probably, like you said, and you just said it before I just jumped in, is that you'll never like leave something behind completely. You're always going to take a little bit of whatever um, from the past evolution with you. But I think it is possible to change culture and make it better. Or oh, yeah, for sure. That's what we radicalism that, does, though. actually. Um. The, like when you just look at politics itself, um, I'm going to say the left, uh, the left has done a very good job at harnessing the energy of radicals and having no problem promoting the radical, uh, articles and the radical things. All of that stuff that people have are up in arms about it. It makes everybody notice, uh, let's say, um, let's eat babies. And then anything that comes under let's eat babies is now more rational and somebody, something that people are willing to negotiate. This is just common psychology. So radicalism has has done that very successfully. I mean, look at our current president. Like, how is it that he's done all of this crazy stuff? And it's just kind of like, oh, that's just him now. We, we have gotten um, used to it. Cult of personality. Yeah, uh, and desensitized, I guess, by a lot exactly. of things. I mean, I've never in a million years would have thought that it would be okay, you know, for a president or somebody to be elected that would say, you know, uh, grab him by the pussy. I don't know if he actually said that or not. I mean, I've heard the oh, recordings. He but yeah, he said it. Yeah. That one he did. Yeah, but when you look at how people took it, it was just so like, for a lot of people, that was just okay. Like, it was like, no big deal for a lot, a lot of people, 
you know, and it's because again, we go back to that, um, the, the media and they have been desensitizing us for a long, long time. Um, I'm not saying that we should like censor anything either. Uh, a lot of responsibility again, comes back to, uh, oneself. And when you're rearing children, you know, the responsibility comes back to the parent to be able to guide appropriately or to explain things appropriately. And we have, you know, in today's culture, because of, I mean, my son has his own cell phone. He's only freaking nine. You know, I didn't buy it for him, but you know, I would have never bought him a cell phone at nine. That's just me. I would just would have never thought of it just in my own mind. Yeah. I was, I thought buying him. Maybe uh, a flip phone. It's like, boop, 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 yeah, call well, dad. Hi. I know. Right. I'm glad that he yeah. has it now. Cause he calls me all the time just to, because he wants to talk to me. And I think Aww. that's awesome. But it does worry me because he has gotten into things that is like, uh, now I have to explain to him. And a lot of parents don't want to take that time to explain these things to them, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, we were talking, he somehow managed to get through a video of the, um, Phil, uh, Castillo. Was it the gentleman that got, oh. uh, shot, uh, in the, front of his family? In the car? Yes. He somehow, he somehow oh, yeah. watched that. So young. Yeah. And he's only nine years old. And now I have to explain to him these things. And, you know, that is my job to do. Right. I get it. But a lot of parents will not. And now we have this child that now has to process on their own that doesn't have that capability of processing that information. You know, we're we do have a luxury in this country that all these wars that we start, um, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very pro peace. Um, uh, but we have a luxury that it's not here and that our children don't know what it's like to be starving and walking in the streets without food, not having water, seeing violence, um, at the level of what war does and things like that. Um, and that it's trauma and we're so lucky that our kids don't have the trauma, but they do need to be equipped for the world out there because things are going to change. The dollar is going to fall apart. Our economy is going to collapse. We are going to see poverty um, and we are going to see war, right? It uh, It's the inevitable from what we're already doing, in my opinion. So um, it is good to talk to him about about the, the police system and the injustice of that. I mean, I, I talk to my kids about it a lot and they understand what happens when people are in control of others and that the laws do not apply equally. Right. Right. Definitely. I want to really quick, cause we are, we've gone through a lot. I wanted to ask Danielle about kind of her, cause you mentioned that feminism should be for both females and males and try to prop, mm -hmm. you know, people up. Uh, what are some examples, I guess that you've seen, the culture that we have now, how has it negatively affected males? And I think we also touched a little bit on how does it affect uh, the LGBT community as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's there's so much there. You know, a woman and a man could, could do the same crime and a man would be seen as more culpable for that crime mm -hmm. um, because women are seen as, you know, meek. And, and it's just all these stereotypes that are not necessarily... Um, bad when you look at them from face value and say, oh, women are nice and we're happy and accommodating. And, um, but it's also kind of, you know, yes, we can, we can definitely be equally as guilty of a crime 
but then receive, you know, lesser punishment for it. So that's one of them. Um, and then can I just, just again, throw like out like an about... example of that really quick? So and yeah. maybe you can speak more on on it. Um, like rape, for example, it is yeah, age of consent. Yep. Um, it's a lot less. I think if somebody if a guy accused a woman of of rape, it would not be taken seriously whatsoever. Absolutely. And that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Because and and again, along those lines, there's uh, there are men being raped by other men and feeling like they can't say anything about it. They, they or they're ruined. They're they're ruined forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're yeah. ruined forever. Or think, um, you know, along with you know the uh, stigma of femininity and uh, being gay, they think, oh, now I'm gay. Now I'm ruined, which is, you know, a, another topic for another day. But, um, you know, that whole you know, femininity aspect tied to um, a trauma, they can't report it now because they see themselves as more feminine, which is a negative. Or beta. Uh, the police won't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll tr- maybe try to tell family members or something like that, and they won't take it seriously. They could get laughed at. It's it's hard enough for anyone to report sexual assault and then let alone a man who um, wasn't strong enough or powerful enough or manly enough to fight someone off, whether it's a woman or a man who did the rape or assault or whatever it happens to be. Um, they don't feel empowered in the same way to speak up about it. And we also don't have those voices telling them to speak up we say women speak up speak up because it is a big issue um for women one in four women are sexually assaulted at some point in their lives and that's something that um i, I think it's more personally yeah it, because lots knows? of things are sexual assault so yeah. I, I and i don't know very many women at all i mean very little women that have not had yeah, somebody grab their boob at work yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's something that i do want to talk more about um, because we haven't really touched on um, Me too. the ownership of our own bodies. And I think that it's something that, um, of course, men do experience this stuff. And it's, it's very, very difficult for men to deal with it. But at the same time, it's so common for women that um, this, it can be really, really difficult for us to just be out in the world and feel that we have um bodily autonomy i mean i've gone on dates with men who um no one else is allowed to talk to me and they show that by putting their arm around me or something like that men when they walk past you they find a way to touch you um you know i one time i was walking down the street and i i I see this as kind of like a funny story but um at the same time it could have gone way way worse um, I was walking down the street one time and it was nighttime and I was with one of my girlfriends and there was two guys um, uh, coming the, t- the opposite direction on the sidewalk. And one of the guys was just like, I'll take that one. And he literally picked me up, threw me over his shoulder and like started running down the street until his friend stopped him and was like, oh, he's wrong. I'm so sorry, blah, blah. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. kind of laughed it off. But I mean, so many of these things that are so common for women. You know, men, you know, grabbing our asses while we're, you know, at the bar or just talking to someone and having them rub on your leg or on your arm or put their arm around you or, you know, just 
just feeling this ability to touch us constantly. It's so, uh, it's so ingrained in society that it's just, we don't have ownership of our own bodies, that that's okay, that we want you to touch us all the time. And it's not something if like, the way I see it is, if you wouldn't do it to one of your man friends, mm-hmm. why are you doing it to me? If we're not dating or something like that, it's so, it's just so ingrained in society that w- women don't have ownership of their own bodies. So that is something that I want to just sneak that in there because although, yes, of course, men experience assault, of course, and it's, it's terrible and traumatic for, Anyone who goes through something like that, especially to not be able to feel like you're allowed to report it. There's also this, you know, whole movement. I wouldn't call it a movement, but this whole culture of, you know, women aren't even allowed to think about it because it's just it is what it is. That's just our society. We just have to endure being touched and owned by everyone else, whether it be the man we're dating or married to or or whatever. You know, we're owned is what it feels like. Yeah, I have a um, uh, my one, my best friend <clears throat> was married to a, a really terrible person, like a clinical narcissist, and um, and when she started being able to break free of the the brainwashing and the gaslighting that he was just just very extreme, um, mental and emotional abuse, she started being able to stand up to him, and and so he started getting physical, and he was um sexually assaulting her at night and she was scared to go to bed. And, um, when she finally had the courage to leave and she told people what he was doing, um, people would be like, well, that's your husband. <laughs> um, they literally yeah. were like telling her that. And I mean, I don't think, I think that men would experience even more pushback from society and from culture that we have. Now, yeah. if he said she's sexually harassing me at night, everybody would be like, oh yeah, I wish I got that. I wish my wife yeah. did that, you know? And yeah. you know, the shit you hear about, um, female teachers having sex with little boys at, in junior high and things like this. Oh, and oh, they're disgusting. like, Oh, I Everybody, wish that would happen. Yay! Yeah. yeah. That's disgusting. horrifying. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I think, and it all comes back to like that, that culture that we live in now. Um, you, you just have these two extremes, right? Either it's going back to children, the idea that you have to push your kid to want to like, play with girl things so that way they can experience it and that's how they're going to figure it out right why did you push it, it you you strew the things right. make them available to the kids exactly let them do whatever you want to don't shame them exactly. just leave them be and they'll figure it out and, and i think what that's what in the end. exactly and i and i i found that very successful with my two kids uh you know it was really hard convincing sometimes my ex-wife to just allow them to be them and just let them choose what they want to do. Uh, obviously, being supervising, obviously, you don't want them going killing cats and dogs. And, you know, <laughs> right. oh, well, that's just the way he is, you know, obviously. <laughs> but the free spirit. Right. But you should be able to just kind of I don't see anything wrong. And, and I feel that. That's also shamed on on both ends is letting your kid just kind of, like you said, be a free spirit, obviously, you know, controlled in some. That uh, is frowned on because of the abuse cycle that we've all been raised in of authoritarianism, subjective, arbitrary rules that are all about making the parents feel better about themselves or look good to other people, make them feel better as humans. They got that from their parents. Um, 
And, and the truth is, is that anybody who's rejecting the cultism of the abuse cycle is going to be berated. It's like veganism. Everybody's right. like, it feels like somebody else being vegan makes it that they're a bad person for eating meat and they have to validate themselves and gang up on the, the smaller group of people. It's so stupid, right? right? Absolutely. Um, don't make your kids share. I don't make my kids share. I oh, love sure. to reward them for it in and, and a, and a verbal loving affirmation of what look at a kind of good community member you are right now. Right. And I love your spirit and I love the spirit in which you give. And, and I love, but um, helping them understand property rights helps them understand that they Absolutely. own themselves, exactly. you know? Yeah. No, exactly. You know, I've, and sorry, Daniel, not to, I just want to jump in, share a story about oh, no. my yeah. son. You know, my son has um, autism. He's uh, in the spectrum. Uh, so for him, a lot of times sharing is a, a big issue, like something yeah. he's very possessive over his things. And uh, that could be part of because of his autism or it can be just part of, you know, it's his things. Right. Yeah. And I've had to explain to my kids a lot of times about when it's appropriate to share or take away things or whatever, you know, I teach them that you shouldn't take other people's things without their consent first. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to your things, you don't necessarily have to share it because, you know, my son has said that before about like stuff that belongs to my daughter. Well, she has to share. Well, actually, son, she doesn't. That's hers. You know, such a good lesson. And yeah. if she doesn't want to let you have it, then she doesn't have to. And it is a concept that they have to learn. Um, is and I think that helps also with what you were talking about, Daniel, is about that self um, body. Like I think it's great for mm -hmm. my daughter to learn that because she needs to learn that about herself as well. That she doesn't has to share her herself. You know, yeah. that's not the lesson. The lesson is you own yourself. And you decide who you want to share, you know, who you and, want to and be congratulate with her when she stands up for her body autonomy. Absolutely. And, and sure. as a parent that was raised in a very different culture, and we all were, uh, we mm -hmm. all were, we're raised in the way worse than it is now. Um, body autonomy is a phrase that people know now. I mean, that's a big deal. No one was talking Absolutely. about that in the 80s and the 90s, guys. <laughs> okay. I so agree. we, right. Think about it applaud it um my four-year-old just cut off all of her hair and i went to freak out okay she's my youngest out of the five right and uh she she literally grabbed all of her hair and cut it oh, like no. bald right right here right and i went <gasps> and i was like what did you do but i and I, I went in with the tone and then she goes because she i never talked to her like that because i i normally always know what she did and then just talk say hey don't do this thing again okay blah blah, blah right and th and it was my old business it was all the way i was raised right where you're not allowed to cut your hair because i own your hair or something yeah. something uh, just ridiculously stupid but that's my old condition i hadn't challenged that old rule yet because i just got slapped in the face with her cutting her hair is what it was <laughs> and i went so i went in like oh okay all right and then she goes and i go you know what I am kind of giving you an attitude. I'm trying to make you feel bad. And I'm sorry. Let me start over with you. And I said, I realized that I was operating under an idea that we had a rule here about your hair and we don't have a rule. And I was wrong and there's no rule. So let's talk about it. And she right. goes, well, I didn't know there was a rule. So I didn't know I was breaking any rules. She goes, this is my hair. 
And I thought I could cut my things because it's mine. And it was in my eyes and I didn't want it in there. And I threw it in the garbage, not because I was trying to hide it. She's four. No, I wasn't trying to hide it. You like it when I clean up my messes. And I'm like, you're perfect. You're perfect. And I'm sorry. And <laughs> so I just keep going cutting my bangs. She's she's like my muse right now. I just keep cutting them shorter. I'm like, they're going to be as short as hers. Uh, she's She's my hero. Yeah. We have this thing where so often, like, girls are supposed to be so giving and so accommodating, and they're supposed to make everyone else happy, and they're supposed to be pretty, and they're supposed to be smiling all the time, Mm -hmm. and looking cute. it's It's so detrimental to later on, whenever they get older, and they want to say, no, you can't touch me. Uh, no, I'm going to do whatever I want with my hair or, you know, because they feel this need to please other people. If a man says, oh, I like long hair, she's like, oh, I guess I can't cut my hair. And I've known so many people. Or wear lipstick. women, yeah, in relationships who their boyfriends made them dye their hair or they said they weren't allowed to cut their hair or, you know, just crazy things where, you know, it's just this we don't love ourselves and we are supposed to make everyone else happy and our happiness comes secondary to everyone else's happiness even whenever we talk about you know oh women are supposed to be able to cook and stuff like that because oh you gotta cook for your man which is lessening now but it's still an expectation for women that you're able to cook and if you can't then like Oh well, what kind of a mother are you gonna be? Because you gotta right. take care of your kids, you gotta take care. And of And that's men. the thing that the men have too. Also, it's the same kind of stuff yeah. about these these ideas of uh, worthiness and right. Yeah, we just need sure. to empower our children, all of them, boys and girls, that Absolutely. they're not bad if they're boys. To talk about, I I hate the term toxic masculinity because it's linked to the word masculinity, same as feminism and and what like it's the same hijacking of an idea there's nothing wrong with femininity, masculinity, and we all have some of that in us. It's the whole yin yang, right? Um, and when you toxic masculinity is fake machismo, it is like (laughs) what you were talking about earlier about how people have treated you and the trauma that's been from not presenting as masculine enough and that you were a victim of abuse because of that. And that's why you were worried about your son. That's why you would just want to protect him and help him assimilate into this bullshit culture. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but it the actual masculinity is just um being uh assertive and strong and um self referencing and I think that that's the a good thing for women is to the self referencing and the self knowing and the self ownership. That's the best parts of masculinity that women can actually pick up. Not the the worst parts. You know, third wave we, we talk about uh, what that looks like now, and it seems to be like objectifying men and uh, uh, and doing grabbing. I mean, there's some very aggressive women out there now. Absolutely. It's new, and yeah. what it is is they're emulating the worst parts of men. Why would you be yourself? Stop being toxic masculine, sure. lady, yeah. and stop. And the menace to coming out, the menace are like literally presenting as the worst parts of toxic femininity, which is backbiting, bitchy. Victim culture, playing victim, not taking any ownership over their own accountability, over their own actions and, and um, what they've done. And um, why I just think that this collectivism is so bad and that we should just all um, be who we want to be and then associate with people who value that. Right. 
Definitely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're running out of time, and I think that was an amazing conversation. Once again, I don't think I followed or we followed anything that I kind of put on well, my self guide. So there is, you know, but you know, this conversation was really organic. <laughs> I know, right? It should be like, I think we could go like through a three hour podcast and still not touch <laughs> up on everything. But, I love you guys, Danielle. You're so woke and fun and i can't wait oh, to talk with you again yeah, james thank you for the invite absolutely and thank you for coming out it's such an honor to have you on i listen to your podcast all the time you know the blast off uh with johnny rocket so that's always i you have to like connect me with him too i'd love to talk to him as well he doesn't have to be on the podcast i just would love to talk to him i'll set it up awesome thanks danielle thanks as always thanks for being an amazing friend and always supporting my podcast and always being there for me so this is pace and freedom i think that was an amazing conversation thank you so much thanks guys thanks for having us